Okay, good evening everyone. Shamalechem Bruchem Aboem. We begin a new series on Al Torah, Parshas Bereshis, a new year of Shurim, Tavshin Pei Dalid, Tia Shanas Pidyon, Divan Shem Shuridimas this year. Again, the series of Shurim Al Torah is uh, generously sponsored by Dr. Zakheim Umeshpachta. We thank them uh, profusely for uh, sponsoring another year of Shurim. We were Nishmas, uh, Rabbi Shloim Elias ben Rabbi Yaakov Zakheim, <coughs> and Lil Nishmas, Dr. Zakheim's mother, Rivka Bas Tovia Halevi, Beganede and Temenu Chasam. They should be Melissa Yisharim for their whole family and for all of Kalisa, Biasko El Tzedek. Tonight's year is dedicated by Rabbi Kenny Pintzauer as a Zuchus for Klal Yisrael, especially in Eretz Yisrael. Also by Rabbi Aryeh Lankilevich, Lila Nishmas, those who were killed in Eretz Yisrael. Also by Rabbi Yaakov Mizrahi, as a Zuchus for the salvation of the Jewish people in Eretz Yisrael. Also by the Ruzhin and Ryabinsky family, in honor of our brothers and sisters in Eretz Yisrael and around the world. Okay, so our Torah Megino Matzel, Torah protects, it shields. Torah says, Tamide Chachamim Marim Shalom Ba'olam. Chazam Sefer explains that there's a certain quota of warfare in the world. So the more a person engages in the Milcham Shal Torah, the war of Torah, the more it, it fulfills the quota of uh, wars in the world. So in other words, it's not enough to sit back and enjoy you gotta get involved. You gotta shout and yell. You gotta be involved in Melcham Shel Torah. That takes, uh, it supplants the need for actual warfare. Okay, this is the first shear of the Zman. If anybody would like to get involved with any upcoming projects, first we, we thank the Harris family of Cleveland for dedicating this past year's uh, Torah Illuminated series. If anybody would like to be a patron of the upcoming series for Tafshin Pedalid. Um, also, upcoming projects in the queue, very imminent. Rameir Balhanes in English. Also, the Rashbi and Lagba Omer, upcoming in English. Also, in Lashon Kodesh, there are a number of things in the queue. Uh, very soon, Chinuch Habanim. So, if anybody wants to get involved in upcoming projects, um, Chazal tell us, you know, what, what would be the last thing in the world you would think is holding up Mashiach? You think, you know, one thing we have enough is we have enough Sfarim out there. No. The Abarbanel says, or Shlomo Kluger says, the reason why Mashiach is not here is there are not enough Sfarim. Asoy Sfarim in Kates. Write more Sfarim because Mashiach is not here. So if you want to help bring Mashiach closer, if you want to get involved in any of these projects, let us know. Okay, Rabbi Sai, we're going to paradise now. We're going to the Garden of Eden. <clears throat> the Gemara tells us a very interesting expression. The Gemara says, in the eighth hour, two people went up into a bed and four people came down. Who are the two people? Adam and Chava. Who are the four people? Adam, Chava, Cain, and Heva. One hour. That's the whole thing. The eighth hour. The eighth hour, the Gemara says, Shnayim alulamita, Viyardu arba'ah. The Gemara in Sanhedrin, Laman Chesam Abayz, gives us an hour-by-hour hour account of the first 12 hours of creation. Hour number one, Hashem took the dust 
and he made a pile. You know, he took the dirt, he made a, a mound. Hour number two, Hashem made like a goylam. So now he like he 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 patted it together, he rounded out the head, you know, he he like traced the legs, traced the arms and the fingers. Hour number three, Nimtukoi Varam, Hashem formed the limbs, he he etched the limbs. Fourth hour, Nizrukabai Nishama, he threw the soul into Adam. Chamishis Aman Aragla, fifth hour, Adam stood up on his legs. Shishis Karashema, sixth hour, Adam got up, he said, Cow, horse, donkey, man, God. He called out the names. Shavias, oh, Yisham but the Shavar Brachas, they said, Right? They, he got married in the seventh hour. Shminis alulumita, shnayim. Eighth hour, he lived with Chava, Viyardu Arba. Four people came down. Again, this is before the sin, so there's no pain of pregnancy and childbirth. It was just easy. Went up, they came down. What happened then? She is the ninth hour. Nitztavu shaloy lecha min ha'ilan. He was commanded not to eat from the tree. Asiris, the tenth hour. Sarach. He ate from the tree. <laughs> Isn't that great? In the ninth hour, he was commanded not to eat from the tree. In the tenth hour, he ate from the tree. The eleventh hour, he was judged. The twelfth hour, he was kicked out of Gan Eden. Not a very long stay in paradise. It never is. <laughs> it never is. Okay, but we're, we're not here to talk about Adam and Eve tonight. We're here to talk about Cain and Hevel. Cain killed Hevel. That's not a nice thing to do, by the way. It's not a good thing to kill people. Why'd he do it? Why did Cain kill Hevel? So the Medrash asks this question. Because, you know, usually, you know, by the way, we believe in capital punishment. You spill blood. By man. None of this business. Somebody attacks you, and then we have the world crying out. We call on both sides not to retaliate. Are you kidding me? What, what, kind, of, what kind of lunacy is that? Right? Somebody provokes... And then after they, they murder your families, then the world cries out, we call, we call for restraint on both sides. No, no, we don't believe in that. It's wrong. It's wrong to be restrained. We believe, Shoifech dam ha'adam ba'adam dama yishafech. There's a moral obligation to kill the murderer. It's wrong to show restraint. No, now's the time for peace. No, there's a time for war and there's a time for peace. And Cain, there was no retribution. What happened to Cain? Cain killed his brother in cold blood. And uh, God said, why did you do it? Where is your brother? Cain said, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Do I, do I know where my brother is? So God said, okay, fine, I'll just kick you out of Gan Eden. I don't understand. He's a murderer. Isn't the rule, Why wasn't Cain punished? So the Medrash asked this question. 
The Medrash says one of the most astounding things you'll ever hear. The Medrash says, from the Amar, Kayin was not given the judgment of a murderer. You know why? Kayin hara, Kayin killed. But he had no one to learn from. How is he supposed to know you're not a kill? But now, don't you dare touch Kayin, because now you know you're not allowed to kill. But how's Kayin supposed to know you're not allowed to kill? Who's he supposed to learn from? What about the fact that God told him he's not allowed to kill? Is that not clear enough? What about that? Say, did God tell Kayin he's not allowed to kill? Well, Kayin was born in what hour? Karin was born in the eighth hour. Do you know what happened the very next hour? The Gemara said, Adam Arishan was commanded not to eat from the tree. When was Adam, what Pasuk, with what Pasuk was Adam commanded not to eat from the tree? <coughs> the Pasuk says, Vayitzav Hashem Elohim al ha'adam leimar mikoil eitz hagan ochel toichel omeitz hagan toivara loisach lomimen. Adam was commanded, you could eat from all the fruit, but don't eat from that fruit. Did you know the Gemara in Sanhedrin says on Nun Vavam and Beis that seven mitzvahs, the Bnei Noach were given, Adam Arishan was given seven mitzvahs. You know what they are? Here you write, Aleph, Beis, Gimel, Dalid. Um, Aleph, Beis, Gimel, Dalid, and the big three. Avadizar, Gilarai, Shrikas, Damim. Aleph is Eber, Menachai, Beis is Berchas Hashem, Gimel is Gezela, and Dalid is Dinim. You got it? That's very, like a mnemonic. The three main sins, the three cardinal sins, idolatry, adultery, and murder. And then Aleph, Beis, Gimel, Dalet. Aleph, Eber, Menachai. Beis, Berchas Hashem, not cursing Hashem. Gimel, Gezela, Dalet, Dinim. When did God tell mankind not to do these things? So the Gemara in Sanhedrin says, if you look at number two, the Gemara says, Amr Yechanan, the Amar Kra, Vayitzav Hashem Aleikim, Al HaAdam Leimar, Mikol Eitz HaGan Ochel Toichel, Middle of the Gemara, Vayitzav is dinim. Hashem is not to curse Hashem. Eloikim is don't serve Avodah Number four, Adam is Shvichas Damim. Lamar Gilei Arayas. So in the ninth hour, God told Adam, don't kill. So think about it. Kayan and Hevel, they come to the world in the eighth hour. The first thing they hear is don't kill. Ask the Medrash, why was Kayin not punished? Says the Medrash, he had no one to learn from. Huh? He only heard one thing in his whole life. Don't kill. I mean, it's the most bizarre thing you could possibly imagine. The Medrash says, why did Kayin, why was Kayin, why did he get off the hook? Why did he get off the hook? Shalai hayalai mimi lilmite. He had no one to learn from. I mean, you know, God told him, don't kill him. He only told Adam. He told Cain and Hevel to step out. Was Cain and Hevel allowed to eat from the tree? Of course not. Were they allowed to commit adultery? Of course not. Oh, Cain got off the hook. Why? He had no one to learn from. But the Gemara says that they were commanded in the ninth hour not to kill. So what's going on over here? So the Mepharshim on the Medrash are bothered by this question. Namely, the Maharzu, or some call it the Maharzav. His name was Marina Rav Zebvolf. He asks, 
What do you mean he had no one to learn from? How about God? Is that a good enough rabbi? Not a good enough rabbi? Says the Maharzav, it must be like the Medrash Tanchuma. He knew you're now to kill, but how's he supposed to know, know that if you chop off someone's head with a knife, he's going to die? Nobody told him. He said, God, I know I'm not to kill, but you never told me that when you stone someone, they die. Or you, I thought that this wouldn't kill him. I didn't realize that decapitating him would kill him. Very difficult answer. So how about don't try it? How about before you try to knock someone's head off, ask God, you told me not to kill. Is this going to kill? And he's off the hook for that because nobody told him, how am I supposed to know? Imagine a kid. You know, why'd you break the window? I didn't know that a brick is going to break the window. Nobody told you. never told me, Daddy. Why'd you break the china? I didn't know that it's going to break when you drop it. You, did you tell me that if you break china, it's going to break? So how about don't try, don't experiment. Ask before you experiment. Before you take a knife and chop off someone's head, why don't you ask, God, is this going to kill someone? This is, they're around in the world for one hour. God told them a few simple things. Don't kill. So he takes a a stone and he throws at his brother's head. Oh, I didn't realize what was going to happen. I didn't realize. I mean, he might as well have said the dog ate his homework also. The tzivoy not to kill was Al Ha'adam. The words Al Ha'adam. The Gemara says, Vayitzav Hashem Elohim Al Ha'adam. The Gemara in Sanhedrin Darshans. It means don't kill. So at the same time they were told don't eat from the fruit, they were told the Shavim Mitzvah Zbaninayach. So he heard directly from God. You know where I heard this question? Right here in the Young Israel. There was a rabbinic conference a few months ago, and uh, one of the speakers was Rav Elia Brudny. And he asked this question, and I was saving it for Parshas Barashas, because I wanted to talk about this subject, Parshas Barashas. And he said the following answer, that I think it's worthwhile to elaborate upon. The answer is God told him, don't kill. And his father told him, don't kill. And guess what? That's not cold learning. What do you mean? But I know you're not how to kill. So, you think human beings work like that? Human beings don't absorb information that way. You know what the problem with Cain was? Cain, his parents went up into the mitah in the eighth hour and he came out in the ninth hour a 50-year-old man with full intellect. And he knew you know how to kill but he never had something that would ingrain this important value into his mind and heart. You know what he didn't have? He didn't have childhood. He didn't have chinuch. He didn't have chinuch. And without chinuch, whatever you learn is just academic, but it doesn't really have an impact on you. A human being needs chinuch. There's a reason God creates us as little children and we grow up and we have parents and we watch before we have any capacity and ability and wherewithal, we watch how they behave for 10 years from the age that we have some uh, intellect. We see a father and a mother. We see 
the restraint they have. We see the value they have for a human life. We see the respect they give other people. And slowly, 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 by the time we turn 13 and we have the capability of acting with with cruelty, we've been trained to act like a Ben Adam. But without Chinuch, you could tell someone don't kill and the next minute they could kill their brother easily. And it's not their fault. Kaina wasn't his fault. The matter says, Shaloi Hayaloi Mililil. He had no one to learn from. What do you mean? No, no, God told him. So what? So what God told him? That's like telling somebody, imagine, tell a kid, you know, um, I just wanted you to know that tomorrow in shul, I want you to make sure that you you um, think about the atbash of every fifth word in leaning. Oh, okay, sure, fine, no problem. I want you to make sure to pay attention to every ninth word in the Targum. So you have a time on the kid if, if he couldn't do it? Yeah, but I told you to do it. Told me to do it? I, I don't even know where Targum is on the page. Who's Targum? What's Targum? What's the Chumash? It takes many years to be able to... A human being was created in a way where he can't just tell him, don't do something... That was Kayan. Kayan, in the eighth hour, Shnayim Alulamita. In the night, they came down four. God said, "Don't kill." But we could say to Kayan, "Shalai Hayalai Mimi Loma." You know to learn. What we're saying is, he might have known academically that not to take a life, but it, it wasn't something that he was fully accountable for. The matter says. But let's develop this further, because again, this was Rav Brudney's point. Kayan had as a son. Do you remember Kayan's son's name? And now he does he has a son. He he builds a city and he names the city after the son. Look at this pasuk. Vayeda Kayan es Ishtai. Vatahar. Vateled es Chanoich. Vayehi boyne ir. Vayikro shem ho'ir kishem benoi Chanoich. Says the Ksavak HaKabalah. Why was it so vital that he gave his son this name and that he named the city after his son? Listen carefully. Says the Ksavak HaKabalah. Kayin realized that he developed himself in a highly inappropriate way. He did very bad things in his life. And he realized that the reason why he did bad things is he never trained himself. He never trained himself. He never developed good habits. Certainly he never had chinuch himself because he was never a child. He was never a bar chinuch. But says Aksava Kabbalah, do you think only a child needs chinuch? Did you know that we all need chinuch our entire lives? We need chinuch yeah, I want to tell you something. One of my pet peeves is, you know, there's a big tragedy, so, oh, we need chizuk, we need chizuk, we have to be mechazik ourselves. Okay, now let's, let's have this Kabbalah, that Kabbalah. You think that lasts? We don't need chizuk, we need chinuch. We need training. Because without training, a human being, it, 
in one ear, out the other. Here today, gone tomorrow. That's not how a person grows. And it, this is not an effective game plan for real growth and change. Kayin realized that more than anything in his life, he was missing chinuch. So you know what he does? He has a kid and he says, I'm not going to let the mistake happen to my kid. I'm going to name the kid Chinuch Hanoich. We know that changing a name is one of the things that rips up a person's uh, Gzardin. Now, people, oh, his name used to be Ploini. And Ploini is about to go. We'll call him Almoini now. Now he's going to live forever. Come on. Yeah, it's so simple. You think, you really think God decreed somebody should go. And now you're just going to pull a shtick. You're going to call him, uh, you know, Shmerel. Oh, Shmerel. He's not Beryl anymore. He's Shmerel. So now he's going to live. Yeah, that's what God wanted. Yeah. God, Rebun Shem and Shamayim, he wanted you, he didn't want him to be Beryl. That God wants him to be Shmerel. Oh, he's Shmerel. Now God's happy. It's ludicrous. The purpose of changing a name is you give a name where the message of that name is something that every time you say the name, you're going to ingrain in your mind this limo, this limo, this limo. So ultimately it's going to bring real change. But, you know, everybody's into the quick fix. Ah, no problem, he's about to die. We'll just call him Shmerel now and then he's going to live. Come on. You're, you're the guy who when he gets the message that, that somebody had a dream last night that you have to send this message to 10 people, otherwise they're gonna be, there's going to be great disaster, and you make sure to send it to 10 people? Come on, you need therapy if you, if you went for that. Don't be so naive. Things don't work that way. You just change someone's name, and then... God wants real things, not, not fads, not, not scams. It says, Ksava Kabbalah, that... The Kayin was working on himself. He realized what he's missing in life is Chinuch. So he named his son Chinuch. He named the city Chinuch. He realized not only the Chinuch that we always refer to, we think, yeah, a Chinuch, we can't, can't watch that. It's not good Chinuch. Can't go there. It's not good Chinuch. Yeah, but once the kid is, but me, I don't, I don't need Chinuch. The only way to grow in this world is Chinuch. Oh, there's a tragedy. I took upon myself that I'm... Okay. Lots of luck doing it. Now, tonight, we're now going to focus on Chinuch for adults. It's called Chinuch HaMosar. Chinuch HaMosar is the most effective and one of the only ways for a person actually to change. There's a sefer called Cheshvan HaNefesh. Cheshben <clears throat> Anefesh is uh, a controversial sefer. We once spoke. We once spoke about it on July fourth. It's based on thirteen midos of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. There's discussion: is there a connection between the thirteen midos of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter and the thirteen attributes of Benjamin Franklin? That's an interesting topic. There is a introduction to the sefer written by Rav Isaac Shar, the Rashiv of Slavarka, and he brings a very important idea. The idea is, does anybody know what is the most powerful force in man? What is the most powerful force in man that we have to either, that brings us to bad places or that we have to overcome? What is the force in man that has to be reckoned with more than anything else that exists within us? Is a habit. Habit. Go to somebody, stay 
Stop biting your nails. Doing it for 70 years. I can't do don't Don't smoke. <laughs> right. Right? Habit. Habit. There are things that we do. Maybe we don't want to do them. But we can't help it. Because we've done it so many times. Hergel Nasa Teva. Habit creates nature. And it's nearly impossible to break your nature. Rabbi Sro Salanter would say, it's easier to learn the whole Shas than to change one Midah. The most powerful force within man is Hergel. There's, how many people do we know that we could predict literally the next thing they're going to do? Because we know their habits, especially people we live with. right? When it comes to self-deception, every man is a genius. And, you know, nobody knows their own habits. But we know, we know everyone in our family's habits. We know all of our friends' habits. Habit is the most powerful force in man. On the other hand, it's the most powerful force for good in man. Because if you want to fight a habit, what you do is, you, don't, you can't stop it really. You need to develop a new habit. So let's say someone's in the habit of every time he sees somebody doing something, he says, ah, they're probably doing it because of this vicious intention that they have. That's human nature, right? You know why they're doing it. He the guy himself doesn't even know why he's doing it. Ah, but I know why he's doing it. He's doing it because he knows it's going to bother me. He doesn't even know you're looking. But we have a habit. So the way you overcome that is you can't change that. You sort of train yourself. When you're not under the, when you're not in the battle, you look at a guy, you look at him, oh, you know why he's in the share right now? Because he loves to learn. Why, why am I even thinking that? I'm, tra- I'm, I'm training myself when I'm not in the battle, to develop a habit to judge people favorably. And you know why he's here? Because he's Mamesh at Sadiq. And then I do that three times every day, and in the course of a month, I've already developed a habit of judging favorably. So next time a guy is doing something, what's going to kick in automatically is the new habit I developed. So really, the arena of change is, instead of fighting bad habit, developing good habits. The way you develop good habits is by doing actions. You see, this is very important. Feeling is not so much in our control. What do I mean by that? Let's say something happens. Whether I'm jealous or not, it's not going to be so much in my control. Something happens, whether I get angry or not, might not be so much in my control because anger is awakened sort of naturally, Mr. Sisham says. But what's in my control are the acts that I do. Let me give you an example. Do you love Tadavan? When you stand in Shul, Shachras, at the 7 o'clock menu, do you love to be there? Raise your hand if you love to be there. So, everyone here is honest. So let's say tomorrow I see you by Shachras. Rafi, love being here. Love it, love it, love it. I could, uh, it's not going to make you love it. Either you do or you don't. It's like if you're eating broccoli, I could yell at you, love it, love it, love it. You, 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 you tolerate it. So what do you do? Because you can't just say, okay, I'm now going to love being here. So it's not so much in your control how you feel about things. What's in your control is what you do. I'm walking to Shachras. 
How am I walking to Shach? Right? So you're... It is within your control to snap out of it and run into the Shachas. You could do that. Now what's going to happen, Ms. Hosharam says? Your, your mind and your heart is going to sense you're doing an act that, so to speak, bespeaks wanting to be there. Now you don't actually want to be there. You don't want to be there. When you're there... You can't wait till it's over. But you could run to Shachris. And when you sense yourself doing an act that, so to speak, bespeaks wanting to be there, it will awaken in your heart a real love for being there. Maybe not the first day when you run to Shachris, maybe not the second day, but after a month of when you get to Halachas, when you get to the block of the shul, you're supposed to like sort of walk fastly into the shul. If you do that enough times... Hey, you say, hey, I like to be here. It's called chinuch hamoser. Doing things that are within your capacity to affect the realm that's not so in your capacity. There's, the Bali Moser say, now, nobody likes anything about Moser. Nowadays, it's all about Hashem loves you and thank you, Hashem. But actually, this right now, what you're about to hear in the next 10 minutes, the most important thing you'll ever hear in your whole life. There are three parts of Musr. Part number one, Chachmas HaMusr. Chachmas HaMusr means knowing what the right thing to do in life is, what the wrong thing to do in life, and knowing your personality, your strengths and weaknesses. Then there's something called Limud HaMusr. Limud HaMusr is studying Musr works with great emotion. And then there's something called Chinuch HaMusr. Training yourself. The same way you need to give your kid Chinuch, how old are you now? Right? You're today, what, you're about 30? Right? So how are you supposed to get to, to grow from age 30 to age 40? From age 40 to age 50? From age 50, oh, how am I going to grow? I'm going to go to Shul. And I'm going to go to Shir. Yeah, maybe you'll grow. A little bit. You need chinuch. You need to be mechanich yourself. I'm going to give you a few short examples. Remember the Bnei Kairach? What happened to them? They're about to die. They were falling down the pit with Kairach. They're about to die. Last second, they had thoughts of doing tshuva. And they did tshuva. And God, like, built out a little cleft in the rock. And they were spared on the rock. And they were saved. The, the Chazal asked, Kairach is a smart guy. How did he do such a foolish thing? And argue on Moshe Rabbeinu. Says the Medrash, his prophetic eye led him astray. He saw all these tzaddikim coming from him, so it must be I'm right. What didn't he realize? What he didn't realize is, in the last second, his kids, really he's wrong, and his kids would do tshuva. But if Karch is so smart, why didn't he think maybe he's wrong and his kids will pull out? So, it seems like Karch saw his kids were so heavy in the Machloikis. They were so immersed in Machloikis, there's no chance they're pulling out of it. Yeah? They were so, like, knee-deep in this Machloikis, it never dawned on Kairach, yeah, maybe they'll pull out and they'll do tshuva. Question. So how did they do tshuva? How did they yank themselves out of the mess and have a change of heart? Listen very carefully. The Medrash Yalkut Shemani asks, Ma zechus Haya biyadan shal bnei karach shayin natsal. 
What merit did the Bnei Karch have that they were saved? Do you know this story? Moshe Rabbeinu made one final attempt to get them to do Shuvah. He knocks on the door. Who's there? Moshe Rabbeinu. The Bnei Karch said, Moshe Rabbeinu, what do we do now? The man's going to walk in. Do we stand up or do we not stand up? If we stand up, it's a bazillion to the Father. If we don't stand up, it's a bazillion to Moshe. What do we do? They were like hiding in the ground. They said, you know what? We probably have to stand up. So they stood up. In that merit, they did tshuva. So our Rosh Shiva, Rav Hanach Libah, asked, when the Medrash asks, what merit did the Bnei Kairach have? What merit do they have? They had many merits. They daven shachris with a minion. They daven mincha with a minion. They daven marav with a minion. They learned all day. What, mean, what merit do they have? I mean, the question is, what did they do that made them back out of the machlokes? And what's the answer? They stood up for Moshe. Now, when they stood up for Moshe, what were they thinking a second before they stood up for Moshe? Moshe Rabbeinu. Nepotism. Yeah, right. God told him that his brother should be the kind God. Yeah. God told the rabbi that the assistant rabbi should be the rabbi's brother. Yeah. Right, right. And I'm, you know, and I'm the president of uh, the Commonwealth of uh, the United States of America. Come on. They were, in their minds, they were joined with their father that every appointment of Moshe Rabbeinu was a selfish promotion. That's why they joined Kairach, the Machlokes. And Moshe Rabbeinu was about to come in, and they thought, maybe I shouldn't stand up for Moshe Rabbeinu. In their mind, they were head over heels in the Machlokes. So what changed? Why did they change? They held Moshe was not a fully authentic leader. That was their opinion. So what changed? What changed is they stood up. They didn't want to stand up. They didn't want to. They thought it was a bazillion for their father. But under the circumstances, they had no alternative but to stand. But once they stood, they said, oh, we're standing for a Talmud Chacham. You know, maybe Moshe is a little greater than we thought. That act influenced them. It was mechanich then. They were not on the level. But when they did that act, you see, had they not stood up, they would have gone down into the abyss. But when they stood up, that standing up for Moshe Rabbeinu changed their ins- what they thought, how they felt. You see, it's very hard for a person to change what they feel. But you can act. It's within your capacity to do things. It's not within your capacity to think things. But when you do something, it can influence you. It's mechanich you. That's called chinuch hamoser. What we're learning is, you see, the Mesilsi Sharm says, what does God want from a person? God wants him to run to shul. Do you think God in Shemayim wants you to run to shul? No, God wants you to serve him with fervor and love. He wants your heart. The thing is, we don't have full control of our feelings, but we do have full control of our actions. 
So the Masil Sisharm is saying, run to shul, that will influence your feelings. It's called hachitsoimiyos, myreras is hapnimiyos. But we're learning from the medrash that it's not just your external actions could influence your feeling legabe's rizos. It's any act that you do is mechanich a person. It trains a person. So for instance, let's say a person is a very jealous kind of person. Anything that somebody has They feel, oh, he took it away from me. So what do you do? So now every time somebody has something you don't have, you're going to walk around begrudging? The answer is, it's not so easy. But you know what? You could do things. You could say things. Every day you're going to wake up in the morning and you're going to walk to show. You're going to say, I'm happy for Ruvain he has this nice house. I'm happy for Shimon he has this nice, nice car. I'm happy for Levi he has this nice family. Because you're not even, it's, it's not even something bothering you at the time. And then later on, when you see a guy who has something that you don't have, you've already trained yourself to say certain things. So when it comes up, you, you were mechanich yourself. You did chinuch to yourself. Otherwise, lots of luck changing it. It's going to be very hard not to be jealous. Or here's a good one. If somebody does something to me, I get upset. And I'm not level-headed. So what do I do about it? Okay, I'm going to do chinuch. I'm going to be mechanich myself. I'm going to train myself. So... I'm going to start speaking a little bit calmer than I usually do. And only I know that the reason I'm doing that is I'm training myself to be more calm. And even when I'm a little bit miffed, obviously if I'm full-blown upset, I'm not going to be able to do it. It's going to be too hard then. But I'm training myself at a time that I'm not upset. I'm doing something. I'm speaking calmly. And I'm saying to myself, I'm speaking calmly now to train myself to be calm. To teach myself to be calm. Teach myself when I'm seven years old? No. Every human being needs chinuch. Without chinuch, you have no way to learn. And then when it comes time, when something happens that aggravates you, now you have a fighting shot. You know what? I trained myself. I practiced. Being calm. I'm going to give one more example. We'll call it a day. There was a man named Adam. Poor Adam. He was a vegetarian. How he survived, I don't know. I can't understand. The Gemara says to understand Gemara, you need to eat meat. You know that? And I understand that. Without meat, I can't think. You need meat to really think a good svarah. Otherwise, how do you have kayak? Brussels sprouts? You know? Brussels sprouts, you could, you could meander around the block. You need meat! Adam wasn't allowed to eat meat. Who was allowed to eat meat? Noyach. Noyach's allowed to eat meat. And even when he eats meat, he can't eat Aver Menachai. He can't go over to a cow and say, Hey, how are you? Turn around, distraction, and take a bite out of the cow. Can't do that. Right? 
Eitan, you know what a cow is, right? So, you can't, you can't, uh, so, Noach is allowed to eat meat. Ask the Radak, why is Noach allowed to eat meat, but he can't eat Eber Menachai? Says the Radak, even Noach couldn't eat Eber Menachai, because it's achzorius, it's cruelty, to go over to a cow and just, you know, like, bite his head off. Oh, you're hungry, you're just going to, you know, take a bite, take a, bur- take a bun, you know, put it, like, on the side of the cow, and eat the, eat the cow. It's, it's, it's very cruel to do such a thing. So therefore, even when Noach is allowed to eat meat, he's not allowed to eat Eber Menachai. So, and why is he allowed to eat meat and Adam wasn't? Adam can't eat meat. It's, very, it's cruel to eat meat. Listen to this. But the Radak says, because Noach was matriach, and he took care of the animals in the teva, he was allowed to eat the animals and use the animals for anything he needs. Our Rashi Rav Hanachlibos understood the Radak that why can you eat meat? It's cruel to eat meat. But Adam Arishain spent a year in the teva caring for the animals, taking care of the an not Noach taking care of the animals and showing sensitivity for the animals. That he already ingrained, he already practiced and trained himself in the sensitivity that it would not be cruelty for him to eat the meat. Because he, he spent all that time, so to speak, working on himself, training himself, so that when it comes time to eat an animal, there's no danger that it's going to ingrain with him cruelty. But Adam Arishain didn't have that. Adam Arishain couldn't eat an animal, even if he, he slaughtered it, um, with sensitivity. No, no, correct. Yeah. Hamburgers only came after the mabo. Because the pasuk that allowed Nayak to eat meat is after the mabo. No hamburgers, no... No, they, hot dogs, yes, because it's not meat, you know. <coughs> it's just, it's chemicals. They allow you to eat Otherwise, what they eat, you know, like... <laughs> So, the Rashiva asked the following question. Okay, I understand Noach is allowed to eat the meat because he did chinuch hamusar. He trained himself for a year so it wouldn't cause him harm to eat the meat. But what about us? We didn't, we didn't take care of animals for a year on the Teva. So then, only Noach should be allowed to eat the meat. Only Noach did chinuch hamusar. We didn't do the chinuch. He did the chinuch. So we see from here that when you train yourself in something, when you train yourself not to be jealous, not to be arrogant, not to be angry, it becomes your new personality and it's passed down to your children. So once Noach spent a year doing chinuch hamusra in the teva, so now mankind has a sensitivity so now, now we could all eat meat. So, this is a very, um, very powerful yisoid. The Medrash says, Kayan is not responsible for killing him. Why? Nobody taught him. Nobody told him. How about God? God told him, don't do it. The answer is, that's not called teaching. Teaching is not writing on the blackboard. You should not kill. Oh, really? Okay, I won't do it. Learning is chinuch, is training is repetition, is review, is observation. 
And it's especially effective when one is younger. But we learn from the Ksav Kabbalah that when a person is older, they're still B'nei Chinuch. Kayin was an old man, but he called his son Chanoich to teach himself. He called the city Chanoich to teach himself. The avoida of life is in order to change oneself and to grow, to v- develop good habits. You think when, you know, when Tamich comes stay up very late to learn or come, you know, or, or study in depth for very long periods of time, you think like they're overcoming their nature every second? Nah, they train themselves to do it. I'll end off with one story. I, I wasn't even going to say this. I forgot about it. When, when I was in Alaska, because the shear is over, I'm not just telling you. When I was in Alaska, one of, one of the most amazing places we went was, um, what was the dog place called? We went to a place basically where they raise dogs and they train them. And, um, yeah, dog sledding. They train the dogs and they, um, they race the dogs. Now, the dog race is a three-week race. Okay? And when I say three-week race, they're, they're, they're racing 22 hours a day. They can't sleep more than 30 minutes at a time. And uh, I was asking the owners of this, you know what it's called? Uh, you know, how do you do it? What? I, I kid. It's a different race. I, I We'll get the name. Okay? Give, give me the name. So that means they go three weeks, two hours a night of sleep for three weeks straight. Could you do that? I can't even do it one night. To, like the going, like Mamish, like the going. The going slept in three 30 minute intervals of 24 hours. What do they eat? They don't eat for three weeks. They have to eat while they're sledding. So they're in, they're in negative 40 degrees. I didn't drown, right? <clears throat> what? The race is I didn't drown, yeah? They go three weeks, no sleep, no food. Now, they have to stop every so often to check on the dogs, but not to check on the humans, okay? And how do they do this? How in the world do they do this? The answer is rigorous training. Training. They, they're able to train themselves a person could develop a habit where you could basically do anything. A human being is a creature of habit. We, all, we know it from our bad tendencies, but the, the biggest force we have going for us is developing good tendencies. A person has a good tendency, they're just in the routine of doing it. Hey, how does that person do that? They're in a good routine. So this is the avoid of life. Kayin was not fully responsible. Even though God told him not to do it, he never had chinuch. He tried to compensate for that. He named his son Chanoich. He named the city Chanoich. But our avoida in life is, if there are areas that we are weak on, train ourselves. Train ourselves. There's a midah we're weak in. You practice. You practice doing things that are within your capacity. And just like lifting weights, you start small. You do it every day. A little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. One of the most powerful tefillahs we have is Vesagi Lenu Get us into the habit. Get us into the regilus of your Torah. And that's one of the great limudim of uh, Chanoich, the son of Kayan.
Thank you everybody for coming. We should hear only Besurah's Taivais for Klal Yisrael, the Rosh should protect over Alanu L'Chal Yisrael. Amen. Idinadrad? What is it called? No, that's not how you pronounce it. I'm not saying it exactly right. Yeah. Uh, 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 uh,